0: Welcome to today's podcast on our Future of Insurance Industry Leaders series. And today I'm really happy to have Chris Cheatham, the CEO and founder of Risk Genius, join us for today's podcast. And it has been a pleasure uh, getting to know Chris over the last few years, and we've spent quite a bit of time lately doing a few webinars, conversations together. So Chris, welcome.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I can't get enough, so I'm back.
0: (laughs) Well, that's great. So why don't you give a little background on yourself? I know a lot of people know you in the industry, but you know, give some interesting perspectives on your background and what you're doing at Risk Genius around insurance and innovation.
1: So my name is Chris, like you mentioned, I'm the CEO of Risk Genius here in Overland Park, Kansas. I'm a recovering attorney. Uh, I used to represent insurance companies in large construction and surety disputes. And so as part of that process, uh, I learned a lot about messy claim documents. And so in 2012, uh, we originally launched our company to do claim document management. As boring as it sounds, but I had the entrepreneurial bug at that point. While we were working, a Carrier approached us and said, hey, we like your software. Could we use this for policy review? And I still remember that conversation. I'll never forget it because I very naively said, Sure, what's policy review? <laughs> yeah, so I started whiteboarding literally in that it was like a, it's kind of a, one of those startup stories where I was getting ready to go pitch some investors about the claim document management. And then I'm whiteboarding outside the pitch room these new ideas for policy review. And so as we studied the problem, we came to realize that the insurance industry really struggled to know what was in their insurance policies. You know, you have insureds who, frankly, just don't look at their policies very often. You have the brokers who are trying to manage policies from dozens, if not hundreds of carriers. And then you have the carriers who have thousands or tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of forums, depending on the size of the company. And so understanding the content of all that information is very difficult. And so when we launched in 2015 with Risk Genius, the goal was to basically organize the world's insurance policy data and information. Uh, and so here we are. It's 2020. The world looks a lot different now than it did back in 2015, that's for sure.
0: Oh, boy, isn't it? From that initial kind of vision that you had of Risk Genius, where it really started out at claims and it uh, evolved into a much uh, bigger picture with policy review and, and um, all of the, the policy forms you know, one of the things that you've done really well is really kind of adapt along the way, kind of adapt and learned, And as you worked with your customers, seeing where, where what you built could really kind of serve a, a broader goal and a broader need in the industry. What advice would you give to both um, you know traditional insurers or other startups you know about that adaptation? And how do you see that um, being able to adapt really quickly as a key element of how the industry really needs to kind of change on a more regular basis than what we have in the past?
1: Yeah, I think you have to listen very, very closely to your customer, whoever that customer is. And I think Just generally, the world kind of struggles with that at this point. Yeah. And so when we went into building insurance technology, particularly the policy review, you know, I was a blank slate. Our company was a blank slate because we didn't know anything about it. And so I just did what I knew to do, which was just listen very intently, take lots of notes, write down, ask lots of questions. It probably helps that like my dad was in the insurance industry for 40 years. And so I have a high regard for insurance. I didn't have like a view that, oh my gosh, this is a broken system that has to be torn up and you got to start over. I think that a lot of innovation, frankly, is incremental and and there's I still have not, by the way, seen that idea that's gonna blow up the whole industry. And so if you're gonna do incremental improvements, you have to listen very closely and understand the problems that the customer has. Uh, and that required, and that's not just me, but our entire organization has to listen very intently to our customers and learn from them and then build solutions into the software as we go.
0: You know, I think that's a, a really insightful perspective because I think that's one of the things that I have come to really appreciate about many of the insure techs, whether it's, you know, solution providers like yourselves or maybe some of the actual MGA or insurance company startups, they really took a different approach. Many of them came with a blank slate, not really having a deep understanding of the industry. And they came from the customer perspective, an outside-in view. And so they approached it with a a completely different mindset that I think has really impacted and influenced the overall industry over these last five, five, six years of a How do you see that going forward? Do you think people are going to continue to listen to that outside in view, particularly as we find ourselves kind of in a hunker down mode right now?
1: Hmm. I mean, you have to, if you're going to survive, right? The problems that we were solving three months ago are not the problems that need solved now. And there's this other idea that I'll remember the first two weeks of kind of the pandemic and I was thinking about InsurTech and kind of the phrase that popped in my head is innovation theater is over. Mm. You know, I I think you're going to see a lot of, frankly, InsurTechs go away. You're going to see conferences go away. You're going to see pilots that had no real purpose go away. And instead, it's going to be about solving real problems, which I'm all for because uh, that's kind of where we've been as a company since the beginning.
0: Yeah. I think you're right, I think we're gonna see quite a bit of M&A and you know, those that have really good solutions or really good ideas, I think uh, investors are gonna double down on those.
1: Yep, I would agree with that.
0: So why is Risk Genius so different and more powerful than what insurers have, have, have used in the past? Talk about it a little bit.
1: In the past insurers have used PDFs or Microsoft Word documents and then they create those documents, and then they push them to the customer. And then the documents just reside in a uh, document management system, like a SharePoint system. As a result, when you need to understand the content of those documents very, very in a very detailed fashion, it's problematic. Uh, we actually, COVID-19 was a great example where uh, we had, you know, in the industry, the industry had to respond to regulatory requests very quickly around what's in your policies. And it got down to exactly what we knew was important, you know, clause by clause. Do you have a exclusion for virus? Do you have business interruption coverage? Which one's going to prevail, etc.? And we had a customer, one of my favorite stories, and I'm not going to disclose their name because there's all sorts of issues around these regulatory requests, but we had a customer who Was able to go through their policies in an hour and figure out the answers and then just be done with it and what was really funny is i emailed them like two weeks the week that the regulatory request came out so i was about a week late and i said hey do you need help with this and they said oh no we did that like three weeks ago we're already done i was like okay you're gonna have to explain that one to me so it was exactly what i had always hoped for with this software which is people just are able to find their answers very quickly in these policies and it, it came to fruition. So that was a, a great story. And I think a lot of the industry has gotten caught flat footed on this topic, mm-hmm. which is kind of understanding the content of your insurance policies, because just so much has been put into the sales and distribution of products and the insurance policies themselves have been almost secondhand in the process.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's a really great point. And it's actually, it really uh, it becomes the moment of truth for customers because what's in or out of those policies really defines uh, what that experience is going to be for a customer based on what their expectations were going in and what they thought that they bought. So having it a lot more transparent, you and I talked about transparency of, of policy language and making it kind of readable to the novice, so to speak. I think this is just the first step in that direction. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I would. And we were seeing you know, customers and prospects talking about integrated insurance policies even before COVID-19. So an integrated insurance policy is where you start doing away with forms and endorsements and mm-hmm. you just have one policy, one document. And so it's much easier to read and understand. The, the idea of forms and endorsements really is a, an archaic solution. Uh, it was created because people had to mail in documents to insurance commissioners for approval. Um, I like, I like to always think about the first person that ever mailed in a form to an insurance commissioner and then they wake up the next day and they're like, Oh my gosh, I need to edit that. What do I do? And so that, so like an endorsement gets boring at that point. Right now that we're doing this all digitally, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, It's like if I wrote an email and then every time I wanted to edit that one email, I had to attach a word document to edit the main content of the email. Like that's just not how things work anymore.
0: It's a great example where we just continue to apply technology to old business processes without really stepping back and saying, does it even make any sense in today's world? And more importantly, does it even make sense from the customer's perspective? As you're thinking about the future of insurance, um, you know, and where we are today and where it could possibly be, what are you guys doing to prepare for that and, uh, and how you're going to help um, your customers prepare for that?
1: so we focused a lot on a product that we call emerging risks. So that's taking a insurance portfolio, tens of thousands of policies or hundreds of thousands of bound policies, and being able to go through them very quickly for a particular issue so that you can figure out your exposure. Typically, those risks are going to be things that emerge after the policies have been written, after they've been bound. So we tend to see a, there, there tends to be more of these risks starting to bubble up. I personally think it's because of the environment for the storytelling around these issues. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you heard a lot in the media about opioids litigation. Um, We've heard a lot about silent cyber, and now we're hearing a lot about COVID-19. In the future, we'll hear a lot about climate change. And so it's these issues that emerge that you have to go back and evaluate your policies for because they weren't, you didn't contemplate those issues when you wrote the policies. And so we've actually had, it's one of the highlights of this very difficult quarantine process for everyone, including our company, was our data science team figured out how to automate that emerging risk product so that wow. we can just go through a portfolio, automatically extract all the information that we need, and you're on your way. And every time I see it, it astounds me. And so that that is a, a huge step. And I think that that type of analysis is going to be very important because right now, it's almost unsustainable how many of those reviews have had to happen in the last, like there's people still trying to do silent cyber reviews right now. And now they're putting COVID-19 reviews on top of that and something probably will pop up in the next two to three years and COVID litigation is not going away in two to three years. Figuring this stuff out in a more sustainable, scalable way is going to be very important. We think our emerging risk products important for that.
0: Yep, I agree. So that really leads into this whole uh, focus on technology, particularly a shift to, you know, platforms that provide access to data, new data sources, AI, machine learning, you know, up in cloud, all of those types of things, and being a part of an ecosystem, which you guys are part of an ecosystem, you know, to be able to, uh, you know, work with other solutions. I think coming out of this, I think there's going to be a real acceleration uh, in use of some of those technologies. And I think, your example of what your data scientist did, I think we've just, we've hardly even touched the surface of what analytics can do with, with the data that we've got or the information that we've got inside insurance companies that can really be impactful uh, for our customers. What are your thoughts about where, where technology is gonna be, um, be heading into the future here?
1: So I think a lot about the unstructured data that reside within the insurance company and just it's everywhere. Oh right emails like think about all of the knowledge and information in emails and all the problems that it causes for the insurance industry i would argue that like errors within all insurance policies like just simple errors that get created between bind quote uh and issue those errors are so painful particularly when they get big and that's one of the most important problems to solve and a lot of the information for to solve those is in emails so what's going to happen with the email What's gonna happen with the policies? What's gonna happen with the forms? Like That to me within the insurance companies is so interesting. Like, How do you start structuring this data? And we're barely scratching the surface. I don't think about the external data as much, but I think there's some really interesting stuff around that too. I was contacted actually recently by a company that does like uh, equipment rentals. And they wanna start taking their data that they have around those equipment rentals and turning it into an insurance product. So that people not only can create, you know, use their insurance for their rental, but they could also use the insurance for just their equipment generally, Mm -hmm. because this company thinks they have better data that, and they probably do, because they have just pure data on what happens with the equipment that's rented through their company. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of this now are looking at what can we do with our data to help maybe improve insurance products. So. Uh, that's another trend we're not involved with that at risk genius but i think it's a really interesting trend um i think it's forward. really
0: down to personalized risk products It's yeah. what you're getting it's what it really talks about
1: yeah we think about that from the policy standpoint too right why is it that every small business gets a particular insurance policy from one carrier or a very similar policy like why can't those policies start to have what i, I consider it like the lego blocks approach mm-hmm. to building an insurance policy like we're in kansas we have a hurricane exclusion on one of our policies. I'm pretty sure we're not going to get a hurricane in Kansas. And so that just stuff like that. Like it makes the policies harder to read, harder to understand. Frankly, we're probably getting priced for that, you know, hurricane exclusion or not getting priced for it. That's the type of stuff that I think needs to be adjusted going forward. One of my favorite stories is a policy I saw like last year that had a Y2K exclusion still attached to it.
0: Oh, I don't think that that's,
1: yeah, that's not relevant anymore, pretty sure. Oh
0: my gosh, 20 years later. Yep, yep. Wow. How many policies would you guess would uh, would probably have exclusions that were, you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 years old? There's probably a lot sitting out there.
1: Well, all of them have exclusions that are 5, 10, 20 years old because the language was written that long ago, uh-huh. right? Like, that's part of the reason why it's so hard to understand is because... You just add layer upon layer upon layer on these policies and eventually, because there's legal precedent, it does make sense from a legal president standpoint. I think there's, there's the word chattel, for example, is oftentimes in policies. I <laughs> don't, I can't remember what that means, right? Like I don't even remember. So it just, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. I understand how it happened and that's really helpful because now I, I can be empathetic to the current solutions. But at the same time, we have to realize that there probably is a better solution going forward.
0: So with that, it kind of ties into kind of um, one of the questions I like to ask everybody on our podcast is, where do you see insurance over the next three to five years?
1: <laughs> Ooh, it's going to get dicey, I think. I'm just giving my, my real response. I think it's going to get dicey. And I think it's going to hinge on, and I, I'm talking mostly from a commercial insurance perspective. I don't really uh-huh. pay attention to personal insurance or healthcare or life, life and annuities. Yeah. So from a commercial insurance standpoint, I think it's going to get dicey. You're gonna have a lot of unhappiness probably with well you are. There's a lot of lawsuits. There's 250 plus lawsuits out there already against insurance companies related to business interruption claims that were denied. And so I'm I'm not sure where it's gonna go because I think a lot of it is gonna be political in nature. And I don't try to forecast politics and how people take it of issues or not. Yeah, none of us can. But I am curious to see what happens over the next six months or so around these business interruption claims. I think it could get very dicey if cards fall certain ways.
0: It is already at, at the level that it's, it's going to be bigger than any of the big hurricanes that we saw down in the South, Hurricane yep. Katrina, et cetera, or yep. even potentially the World Trade Center and all of the stuff that got associated that. I mean, COVID has the potential to be so much bigger not just from a claim perspective, but just an overall impact and reputation to the industry.
1: Yep, Uh, and I I mean, AIG and Lloyds have both come out and said this is gonna be the largest insurance loss of all time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the key is like, how big of a loss is it gonna be? Are we talking 100 billion? Or like worst case, are we talking, I think I saw this in the Willis report that came out, are we talking 500 billion, which would have very serious implications for the insurance industry?
0: And that in itself is going to have implications to businesses and whether or not they're going to be able to afford insurance then going forward and what will they be able to, to, uh, to get.
1: I agree. And I think trust will be another issue going forward. You know, the next wave of small businesses, how are they going to respond? It's going to be very interesting is the yeah. best I can say.
0: <laughs> well, one of the things I always tell people having been in this industry uh, my entire career is that very few people understand how insurance really underpins economies under underpins uh, countries underpins um businesses and people's lives all at the same time and they're all so intertwined
1: i'd agree and i didn't really fully understand that either until we started negotiating enterprise contracts and the insurance companies would come back to us and say okay what are your and it didn't i didn't fully grasp that i bought an insurance policy so that insurance could trust our software and they could know that if something bad happened, at least there's an insurance policy that can help with some of the risk. And you know, that was kind of an eye-opener to me. So like technology, yep. it's a really important concept within technology, for example, which is where yep. we play.
0: So what advice would you give to insurers and other startups you know, as we start this new decade, 2020? <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm thinking through, I mean, there's the self-serving answer, which is don't freeze your budgets like many people are doing. See, this is an opportunity to fix the things you've wanted to fix. Super self-serving comment would be fix your policy language first because it's going to matter a lot. But I would say just generally speaking, the innovation theater is over which I think is actually a good thing. It's kind of like the hype cycle. I think uh-huh. we're kind of on the, the decline of the insure tech hype cycle. And so now the real stuff starts to emerge. And so pay attention. Don't just shut down all of your innovation right away. That's probably not what you want to do because this stuff is going to be important going forward. There are still fundamental problems with commercial insurance technology. That's you know the kind of stuff that was put in place 30, 40 years ago commercial insurance is not moving fast enough. You know, it takes too long to quote, find, close a policy. Yeah. And so we just need to catch up to what the consumer expects and then figure out how to iterate from there.
0: Absolutely, because that consumer is the, the next uh, business owner and that's that next generation that grew up digitally.
1: Yes, yeah. that's exactly right.
0: Yeah, so um, if you could pick one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why?
1: Question first, are we talking like three years, five years, 10 years? What, what time frame are you thinking?
0: Whatever you want, Chris.
1: Uh, I, I think the word I would use is different. It's going to be different. And just what that different looks like, I think we'll see. But it's going to look a lot different than it is right now. But the exciting thing
0: is, is that we can all shape that. what that different is going to look like.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Or, we can let, or we can let others shape it for us, which could happen too. And I prefer not to let that happen.
0: Yeah, I think those that kind of follow, they're going to find a struggle there because change happens so quickly that following is not a strategy any any longer.
1: Yeah, the best, I mean, honestly, historically, the best technology solutions, the best kind of innovations come out of economic situations like we're in right now. That's the silver lining that I keep pointing to in this.
0: Absolutely. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Really appreciate all the the work that you guys at Risk Genius have done to really kind of push the industry along. And, and uh, we look forward to continuing to collaborate and, and have the conversations and uh, work with you and, our, uh, and the industry to create that future and uh, make it different.
1: Well, thanks, Denise. And thanks to Majesco and you for having me on the podcast. And I appreciate your time.
0: Uh, same here. Thanks, Chris.